1: Don't be
2: afraid to share your real feelings. By the way, if you wait until a person is on their deathbed to do it, we all miss out. And if you wait past that and you wish at a funeral that you would have shared kind words, wonderful feelings with somebody, it's way too late. Share a depth of communication like Paul did. It'll bring amazing satisfaction.
0: We all do or fail to do things in our lives that we regret. Particularly as we get older, the list of regrets can grow and become overwhelming. One of the things we often have remorse over not doing is saying a kind word to a friend or loved one. We seem to have been conditioned to think of such things as corny or that it will not be appreciated. Pastor Mark is teaching us about the importance of conveying feelings to those we love using the example of the Apostle Paul. He had a deep love for the people of Philippi and wasn't afraid to convey it. This is a good example for us to emulate. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 1 of his message. Pray this prayer for me.
2: you're going to study God's Word with me, you need a B-I-B-L-E. Turn, if you will, to the book of Philippians. If you're new to our church, if we study the Bible, we're going through the book of Philippians verse by verse. Just go right there, if you will. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Just keep those hands raised and for the next hour, and we'll have communion at the end. I ask you to remain in your seats and pay attention to the Word of God. It's powerful and it will change your heart. As you get that Bible and you turn to Philippians, let me just make a couple of opening statements. Number one, we know that as time goes by, many things change. Linda and I moved here in 1969 in Merritt Island, and the moon rockets had ended. And there was houses everywhere for sale. Everybody was moving out. Well, we're about to that point now where another phase of NASA is ending. See, as time goes by, things just change. And then some things never change. It doesn't matter the time. They're principles that simply are timeless. There's nothing to change with it. Well, this morning I want to start with something that was written in 1955. And if you're a husband or a wife today, this is about being a good wife. A good wife's guide, 1955. If you're single and considering getting married, guys, pay attention to this because this is what you're looking for in a wife. And let me just go through some of the things. If I'm going to be a good wife, I have to have dinner ready, plan ahead, even the night before, to have a delicious meal ready on time for his return. This is a way of letting him know that you've been thinking about him and are concerned about his needs. After all, most men are hungry when they get home and the prospect of a good meal is part of a warm welcome needed, ladies. Number two, ladies, prepare yourselves. Take 15 minutes to rest so you'll be refreshed when he arrives. (laughs) Touch up your makeup. Put a ribbon in your hair and be fresh looking. After all, he's just been looking at a lot of work-weary people all day. Number three, clear away the clutter. Make one last trip through the main part of the house just before your husband arrives. Run a dust cloth over the tables. (laughs) During the cooler months of the year, you should prepare and light a fire for him so he can unwind. Your husband will feel he has reached a haven of rest and order. And it will give you a lift too. After all, catering to his every comfort will provide you immense personal satisfaction. Ladies. Now, minimize all noise. At the time of his arrival, eliminate the noise of the washer and the dryer and the vacuum. And after all, make sure you encourage all the children to be very quiet. Be happy to see him. Greet him with a warm smile and show your sincerity by your desire to please him. Now listen to him. You may have had a dozen important things to tell him, but the moment of his arrival is not the time. Let him talk first, because remember, his topics of conversation are way more important than yours. Some of you guys are saying right now, praise God, Pastor Mark, I love this church. I love... I love this church. Don't, don't greet him with complaints and problems. And don't complain if he's late for dinner or if, if he stays out all night. Compare that minor to what he's gone through at work. Now make him comfortable. Have him lean back in a comfortable chair when he gets home and, or lie down in the bedroom. Have a cooler warm drink ready for him. Arrange his pillow and offer to take off his shoes. And after all, ladies, speak in a low, smoothing, pleasant voice. And here's the last part. If you're going to be a good wife, a good wife always knows her place. Now, how many of you women are glad that some things change with time? Let me see your hand. Yeah. How many of you husbands wish things would have never changed? Let me, come on, let me see your hand. That's right. There'll be a lot of marriage counseling at the end of the service. By the way, those of you that are dating, you look for that. 1955, baby, is the role model. Well, some things change. But some things never change. First thing for you to write today is one thing that never changes. Here it is. Things happen when Christ's followers pray. Things happen when you and I pray. When we don't pray, things don't happen. You see, God designed prayer to change things. And today, Paul writes, interestingly, a love letter to the Christ followers at Philippi, the church that he started. And then in the letter, he prays an amazing prayer that we're going to use this week and next week as a role model for you and I. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 1, where you've turned, and go down to verse 6. We pick it up from there. Paul says... Remember, he's sitting in jail. He's writing this letter to the church. Now, being confident of this, Paul says, that he who began a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then we see a different side of Paul. It is right for me, circle the word, to feel. To feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains, which he was, or defending or confirming the gospel, which he was while he was there in that prison, all of you share in God's grace with me. There was a connection. Now, God can testify how I long, interesting word, feeling word, for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. What we see from this letter Even though Paul didn't spend a lot of time in that church getting and established in Philippi, the Philippians had Paul in their hearts. And he had them in his heart. Now, this is different. When we think of Paul, we think of this incredible intellectual, hardworking, always going for it. A guy that could share the truth right in your face. And yet here we see Paul could easily express his feelings. You see, a lot of guys would go, I'm not into what do you mean it's right for me to feel this way? Or I'm gonna open my heart to you. That's not like a manly thing. Well, wait a minute. Would you call Paul a man? He's like a man's man. And he had feelings. And he was not afraid to tell his friends at Philippi how deeply he cared for them. As Linda, and I got back, I've gotten a few emails from people we ministered to, and basically they went like this: "We miss you and Linda terribly. Your teaching has impacted our life forever." You see, we know these people, and didn't know these people, except for one person. We never, and only met him once. We never met any of these people before in our lives. And yet, in that short period of time, there was a bond of love. And I've been thinking about them as well. Of course, the people I really think about are you. Because this is where we're called. These are just things that God adds to it. We want to be back here when we're there. And yet Paul says, I want to be there with you so bad. I love you. Let me ask you a question. Do you share your feelings with those you love? Is it important enough for you to be open and real with your close friends and your spouses and your children? When is the last time you looked at a friend, a good friend of yours, and a spouse, and your child, and you just said these words, I love you? You You know, we're in this fast-paced world. Everything's by email, iPhone, Android, whatever. Looking at somebody in their eyes and saying, I love you, is very different than getting a text from them. You know, Linda and I had been with each other for about 15 days, 24-7. Thank you for your prayers. <laughs> Don't laugh, we're just like you. But yesterday morning, we took an hour, we got up very early, went out to the beach. Hardly anybody there. I just grabbed your hand and we walked for a while. And we just talked. When's the last time you've done that? We just talked about the future. You see, we have many more years behind us than in front of us. We want to make them count. So we went past, well, how are you? What are you doing on Tuesday from 7 to 8? We opened our hearts. And we began sharing things together. You see, if you and I will begin to do what Paul did here, we break this chain. Do you know that this happens? Sometimes husbands and wives can live together in the same house for years and never really be open and honest with each other. We don't even know who they are. Don't be afraid to share your real feelings. By the way, if you wait until a person is on their deathbed to do it, we all miss out. And if you wait past that and you wish at a funeral that you would have shared kind words, wonderful feelings with somebody, it's way too late. Share a depth of communication like Paul did. It'll bring Amazing satisfaction. Write this down. Sharing our real feelings, our hearts, brings healthy openness and honesty. It's good to hear those words, I love you. I care for you. I enjoy spending time with you. You see, Paul understood that the church he was writing to, in that church there would have been people who were, discouraged. Life had beat them up, just like there are here in Melbourne or Vieira or Sebastian or Orlando, you watching by the Internet, you listening by the radio later. The life's beating you up and you don't think you're going to make it. You just don't think you can do this Christian thing. But Paul says in verse six, hey, be confident. He says, God who began a good work in you, you didn't start it. God did. He'll finish it. He was writing him. He says, I love you. I miss you. I want to be with you. And by the way, you're going to make it. And I want to say, God, the all-knowing God who began a good thing in you, he will finish it. Be encouraged this morning. Be encouraged this morning. Doesn't matter what's happening in your life. Don't be a, a bump on a log. Open your heart. Get real with people. Express your feelings. That's exactly what Paul did. Now, it's interesting to me, as we look at Paul, as he's writing a love letter, he's not sitting in a jail cell complaining, but he's writing a love letter. He says, if I could, I'd love to be with you again. He says, thanks for your support. The grace that you showed me. What did he mean by that? Well, later on in the, in the book of Philippians, we'll discover that during his, his imprisonment, that the Philippian church took up an offering and sent money to Paul to, to help him in his jail. And also they sent Epaphroditus to, to support him and to encourage him. Paul says, thank you so much. You, you've always been on my heart. So he opens this encouraging part with feelings and encouragement and telling how much he loves him. And now look at verse number 9. He moves to a different area. And this is, circle these words, my prayer. He moves from this love story to my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and the depth of insight. Interesting that the libraries of the world are filled with books on love and prayer. But it's not enough to read about love. It's not enough To study what prayer is, we need to be loving and we need to be praying. And that's what Paul's going to talk about. Let me just give you a little primer on prayer today to remind all of us. Why did God design prayer? Well, number one, you can write this. What is prayer? It's simply two-way communication with God. I mean, we think texting and Twitter and Facebook... God did that from the beginning. Adam and Eve in the garden. He talked with them. He walked with them. He communicated with them. And the religious world has complicated prayer. We've made it so formal that sometimes we miss out on what it really is. See, God wants to communicate with you. And he wants to communicate with me because we're his children. One day... Many years ago, a Puritan preacher began a prayer, and as usual, he used this long and colorful language. And he went on and on and on. And a lady in the choir reached over and pulled on his robe and said to him, Pastor, just call God Father and please ask him for something. (laughs) Well, that's really it. You see, sometimes we forget what prayer really is. It's conversation with God. Now, keep your finger right there in Philippians, all of us. And let's turn back to the book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1. And I want to give you this morning uh, three aspects of prayer, quickly. And you're going to see how important it is. Prayer is commanded in the Bible. It's not a suggestion. It's commanded. And Paul is making a prayer very personal. James chapter 1, look at the first part of this. This is very instructive, so pay attention. James says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, what he's saying is, if you have situations in your life and you're not sure what to do about it, if you lack wisdom, now let me ask you a question. Do any of us lack wisdom from the day to day how to live life? Let me see your hand. Absolutely. If you didn't raise your hand, you lack wisdom. You're stupid. (laughs) Why? Because we can't do life alone. So let me ask you another question. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom. So what we're about to read, does it apply to anybody at any of our campuses? It applies to all of us. Every single one of us. Well, what's he say about it? If any of you lack wisdom, he should, hello, ask God. Why? Why? Because God's all-knowing. So he should pray. The word ask and pray, same thing. Well, Pastor Michael, if I do that, I mean, God's got too many things. He's got, you know, 6.8 billion people on the earth already. He ain't got time for me. I don't, Even if he did, I don't think he wants to respond to me. No, you're wrong. Who gives generously, look at it, to all without finding fault. So God wants to answer our prayers. Well, if I pray, and I admit I need wisdom, and I pray to God, and yes, he wants to do it, will I get an answer? Well, look at the end of the verse. And it will, what? Be given him. God will answer. But now look at some of the cautions. But when he asks, verse 6, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Now, that man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because, well, a double-minded man is unstable in all he does. So remember that all of us lack wisdom. We all have problems. We all need God to intervene and give us what we should do. God has all the answers for every single one of our problems. So let me give you three things that really happen. You don't need to write them down. Just think about them this morning. Number one, some people never get answers to their prayers because they do not expect God to answer them. Notice what James says. That we must pray in faith, pray expecting God to answer. We can pray with expectation because we know that God loves to answer our prayers. So some of us... We never really get answers to prayer. We pray them, but after we pray them, we go, "Well, God isn't going to answer that. It's just not going to happen. Well, that's wrong. He will answer. And so there needs to be, when I pray, there needs to be faith mixed into it. Just a rote prayer without any faith isn't going to go anywhere. Or if I pray and this day, well, I believe God's going to answer and it doesn't come today. Well, tomorrow, I don't believe he's going to answer. And third day, well, I think he's going to answer. And a fourth day, no, I don't think he's going to. There we go. That's the wave. And there's no expectation. It would be a surprise out of the blue if God answered. So sometimes we don't ever get answers to prayer because we don't expect it. Number two, some people will never get answers to their prayers because they don't pray In the will of God. They don't pray in the will of God. You see, they have a wrong concept of prayer. They've heard this. One of the things in the Bible says, uh, Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We kind of look at that in my name as a formula. Now, if you're from like a charismatic background, you pray like this. In the name of Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you think putting that zip in there is going to get it to heaven past pass all this up. Some of you are more formal. In the matchless, amazing name of Jesus. And it's not about either one of those. In the name of Jesus simply means in the character in the will of God. Let me read you this verse, 1 John 5, 4. This is the confidence we have when we approach God. That if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. So to pray in God's will simply means this. God, I don't have the wisdom for this, but I want your will. What you want to do in this situation, God. Not mine, but yours.
0: Pastor Mark today taught about the love the Apostle Paul had for the people of Philippi and Paul's willingness to communicate that love to them. This is a good reminder for us to do the same with those that we care about. This affection we feel for others should also spur us to be in prayer for those we love, for either their salvation or for a deepening of their walk with Christ. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, as Pastor Mark continues the teaching series, Pray This Prayer for Me, we will learn about the essence of prayer and the importance God Himself places on it. We'll be reminded that God wants to communicate with us. He wants to hear our needs, our frustrations, and our fears. We'll discover how God actually limits himself as a result of our prayerlessness. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a hurry